It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, We're moving right along into our Sweet 16 bracket, finding out which of these four Aggies will fight their way into the Elite Eight with the chance to hoist up the 12th man trophy here at Locked on Ags for the greatest Aggie athlete of all time. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. That is my name. Don't wear it out. I am the host of the show, and I love getting feedback from you guys. So any chance you have to go out and just say, hey, I like what you're doing, Here's what I would rather hear. Here's some things that I think you should work on. I'm always up for interpretation at Mr. Cole Thompson. And last but not least, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Aggie-related content. You can check out all of our great work found at Locked on Aggies and at LockedOnPodcast.com. As I said earlier this week, we are going to be making sure we do the bracket every single day. Here's the thing. We don't want to rush it because if we need content throughout the rest of the week and with the tournament coming to an end, which would be next Monday, we're going to finish our Elite Eight and our Final Four next Monday for you to be able to have something to go into and then wondering who would be the champion and how far A&M would have gotten and all those things mixed in. But instead, we are going to start off with news going around the NCAA, the SEC, and last but not least, of course, Texas A&M. And here's some good news. Any spring athlete this past year, well, you don't have to say goodbye to them just yet because as of now, according to the NCAA, spring athletes will be granted an extra year of eligibility. Given the baseball scholarship restriction in place, the NCAA also added that roster limits could be increased to account athletes who have been impacted by the COVID-19 virus. This was released by NCAA Division I Chair M. Grace Calhoun yesterday. The council's decision gives individual schools that flexibility to make the decision of campus level. The Board of Governors encouraged conferences and schools to take action in the best interest of student-athletes and their communities, and now schools have the opportunity to do that. The same goes for pretty much any other sport uh, that would be affected by it. So you're looking at softball, you're looking at uh, outdoor track and field, you're looking at tennis. You're looking at all those things. They all come back because of spring sports pretty much only had about a month of their four-month season to really do anything. So here was the full statement. Uh, we're not going to go through it all, but we're going to go through the, at least the very important part released by the NCAA yesterday. The Division One Council on Monday voted to allow schools to provide spring sports student-athletes an additional season of competition and an extension of their period of eligibility. Members also adjusted financial aid rules to allow teams to carry more members on scholarship to account the incoming recruits and the student-athletes who have been infected by their last year of eligibility who decide to stay. In a nod to the financial uncertainty faced by higher education, the council vote also provided schools with the flexibility to give students the opportunity to return for 2020-2021 without requiring the athletes to be on that same level awarded for 2019-2020. This flexibility allow applies to only student athletes who would have exhausted eligibility in 2019-2020. Schools will not have the ability to use the NCAA Students Assistance Fund 
to pay for scholarships for students who take advantage of additional eligibility in 2020-21. Division I rules student limits at student athletes are limited to four seasons of competition in a five-year period. The council's decision will allow schools to self-apply waivers to restore one of those seasons for competition for student athletes who have competed while eligible during the COVID-19 shortened spring season of 2020. So, when you break that all down into just basic words and everything along along the lines of that, if you want to stay, you're going to stay. The NCAA is not saying, okay, they're going to sit down to Rob Childress, the A&M manager, and go, all right, you got to cut five players. You have a recruiting class that we really like. We're going to give you some room, uh, but you have all these seniors coming back. Five players, you either have to somehow redshirt or you got to cut them. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, all right, because of what happened, we're going to allow your players to come back and we're also going to extend that roster to include the recruits that were going to join the staff next season. When you put that all into perspective, it's going to be a larger baseball class. It's going to be a larger, I would say, not just baseball, I would also say larger softball team. You're going to have more people competing for track and field. You're going to have more people playing tennis. You're going to have more people on the golf team. It's a lot more people, but you have to also realize because of how this was affected, that's the only way you're going to be able to do that. Now, naturally, some players are going to go. Asa Lacey, you saw him in his final game. His final game was last month. That that was a given. The kid is, he was 3-0 on the year. He was throwing an average, I think, nine strikeouts per game. He was already considered a top 10 lock. I think that because of the need at pitcher is so definite, and he's a left-hander and a dang good one. Top three is his limit. He's not going back. He's not going back. Other players, it's all based off of how the MLB draft goes down and whenever the MLB draft goes down. If they feel like they can go and open up a roster spot for a kid who maybe is deserving and they're comfortable with their draft grade and they know it's not going to get much higher, maybe they go. Other than that, everyone else I think is up for debate. Then you have guys like Cam Blake who probably wanted to test his limits to see if he was going to be good enough to make it to the minors. He'll come back. I have no doubt he'll come back because if he did not have a good enough grade to where I think you could put him in a spot before to make it to the MLB. Now with this extra year of eligibility, he has time. Maybe he's at home, sitting in front of the television, watching baseball clips, looking at his swing, wondering, okay, if I choke up here, when he makes this move, I know how where he's going with the ball. I know where he's placing it, so I can drive it this way. Maybe that's what he's doing, and it will get him better with another year of eligibility to play. So overall, it does stink that guys like Josh Nebo, Wendell Mitchell, uh, and a few others will not be able to finalize their last season because if they played a regular season but at the same time at least someone is getting an opportunity to succeed can you imagine the world right now if we were just sitting here on a normal day and they were like yeah you know what well life happens get out that would be catastrophically horrible for people like, there's no way I can understand anyone sitting here and going, yep, that makes total sense, NCAA. Good for you. I mean, and the NCAA has done a lot of stupid stuff in their life. I mean, a ton. 
At least they made the right move on this one. They were able to go make sure that players who wanted to be in the building would have the chance to come back. And I'm sure Ross Bjork's going to bring it up in his teleconference early, later this week, and we'll probably break that down either on Wednesday or Thursday. But at least we now know that some people, some athletes, male, female, doesn't matter the sport, as long as it's spring, you're getting that extra shot to finish your year, your final year, whatever age you are, finish on the right note. But we got to finish our bracket on the right note. The Sweet 16 moves along. Johnny Manziel and Miles uh, and Bon Miller moved on yesterday into our Elite Eight. Who will be joining them? We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something, if I may. Do you like quality sport content? Great podcasting with great people who know exactly what they're talking about. If so, why not give Locked On Podcasts a try? There's over two dozen college sports shows plus the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports ready for your listening ears during these dark times. Don't worry, we got you covered and we are here to make sure you have something to listen to. So go ahead and hit that download button on Spotify. Hit that download button, leave a review on Apple, on iTunes, podcasts, and start listening to your favorite Locked On podcast today. We're moving right along in our Aggie bracket for the greatest Aggie of all time. Yesterday we saw... Both Von Miller and Johnny Manziel move on into our Elite Eight. We still have three more brackets to get through this week. Let's move into our next bracket. Coming in at first place is Datnewing with the one seed. Number two is Miles Garrett. Number three is AC Law. And though it was a controversial pick because of at the end of the day, I really wanted to put Darren Lewis in this list. But I couldn't just mainly because of his off-the-field history reports and all of that. I had to go with Aaron Glenn moving on to our Sweet 16. So why don't we start there with Aaron Glenn as the number four seed, facing off against the wing, number one seed. Glenn, productive player. He was a very productive player when he was with both A&M and in the NFL. When you look at his time at A&M, he signed his letter to intent to play for Purdue in 1990. He ever Instead, he actually went to Navarro College in Corsinica, Texas, where as a sophomore, he won all-conference and all-junior conference, all Amer- junior college, all-American honors after posting two interceptions, 60 tackles, and 15 pass deflections. He then transferred to A&M in 1992, I believe it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 92. Yeah, 92 he transferred there. Uh, and he was a member of the team for two years. As a junior, he won the Southwest Conference Newcomer of the Year and was a first-team All-Southwest Conference. As a senior, he registered 27 tackles, 13 passes deflections, and led the nation in 19.2 punt return yards with a cons- uh, with an All-Southwest Conference and consensus first-team All-American honors. In 2000, he was inducted into the Texas A&M Sports Hall of Fame. He was a first-round pick, uh, selected with the 12th overall pick by the New York Jets, In 1994, he played his first eight seasons in the NFL with the Jets. Uh, He recorded the team's longest interception return for 100 yards with a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. In 2001, he started in 12 games, uh, uh, but he missed three games with a sprained knee. He had 39 tackles and 12 pass deflections. Again, he's a guy who will be especially remembered for his time 
with the Houston Texans because if he was on the original Texans team uh, during that 2002 year. He played for them for three years. He started in 16 games as during his first season, registered 75 tackles, five interceptions, 16 pass deflections, and one sack. He was probably the greatest Texan to begin the era. A lot of people put a lot of pressure on Derek, uh, David Carr and Andre Johnson. It was kind of when Glenn left, Johnson became the face of the franchise. In 2003, he started in 11 games and was declared inactive for two due to injury before being placed on injury reserve for the final three contests. He finished with 29 tackles, uh, one interception, and 16 pass deflections. His final year with Houston, started in 16 games, making five interceptions, 14 pass deflections. He was released due to salary cap issues, so he would have probably stayed with Houston for the remainder of his career. He then went to Dallas for two years, Jacksonville for a year, and New Orleans for one season for his career. He played in 205 games. He had 634 total tackles. Uh, he had six forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, 41 career interceptions. That's a pretty good number. You, you can't deny that. 560 uh, return yards. Uh, he had six total touchdowns and 163 pass deflections. He's now a scout for the New Orleans Saints, working in their department. He's been coaching for a little while. He was the... Uh, general manager of the Houston Stallions as well, but then he uh, now just recently joined the Saints as their scouts. So, it'll be interesting. Now he's a defensive back coach. My bad. I, I apologize for that. He's a defensive back coach out for New Orleans. But, again, I look at this and I just wonder, can I put him above a guy who is viewed as... Not just a game changer, but also probably the greatest tackler in AM history. And that's Dat Nguyen. Dat Nguyen, he attended AM uh, from 1995 to 1998. He was perceived to be too small to play linebacker. And th- this is the thing that a lot of people get. A lot of guys who aren't that six foot five build are told, oh, well, you can't really play here because of, I don't think that you fit the mold. And Nguyen just said, all right, screw it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make a name for myself. He started in 51 consecutive games. He registered a, a, a league high. I mean, this is the record in AM history. 517 tackles, averaged 10.7 tackles per game. His numbers are the highest in AM history. The closest one after that, I think, is, if I'm not mistaken, if I got to go back through my notes, I'm pretty sure... It's either Sam, it's not Sam Adams, it's uh, Warwick Holman is actually number two on that list with 400-something. So he was nearly 100 tackles over everyone else. He also was a two-time first-team All-Big 12 member. Uh, he also made the uh, Big 12 All-Team three times. He's in the Texas A&M Hall of Fame. He won the Lombardi Award in 1998, the Chuck Bernardic Award in 1998. He was an unanimous All-American in 1999, I mean 1998. The Jack Lambert Award in 1998. He also won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. When you look at his stats, uh, also, he was named to the Southwest Defensive Newcomer of the Year in 1995. He was the Aggies MVP in 97. In 98, he earned consensus All-American honors. He won every single defensive award you can freaking imagine when it came to it. And he was eventually inducted into uh, both the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2014 and 2017. And most recently, in, I think it was 2018, he was elected into the College Football Hall of Fame. 
For his professional career, he was drafted in the third round by the Dallas Cowboys in the 1999 draft. Uh, people did not want to draft him because of, again, his size. But, fun fact, he actually became the first Vietnamese American to ever be drafted in an NFL draft. And he also made a huge impact for the team. For his career with Dallas, and I'm pretty sure he only played with Dallas his entire time. Yeah, yeah, he did. He only played with Dallas. But he also had 515 total tackles, 113 tackles for loss, uh, 38 tackles for losses, 113 uh, open field tackles, six sacks, uh, six fumble recoveries, never scored a touchdown. Uh, I think he had yeah, seven interceptions, uh, four pass deflections, and he was a starter for six uh, for all seven years that he was at the league. So again, this is a guy who at least was productive at the next level. Maybe not that same level of Glenn, but you tie in what he was able to do. Did he ever finish with a 100, 100 tackle season? For the team, that'll be kind of a big, big thing if we can find that out. Yeah, he finished three years with 100 tackles in the year. In 2001, 113, uh, which was second to career best. 2003, 121, his career best. In 2004, 107. New Wing moves on. And it's not because I don't think Aaron Glenn had a great year and he is a huge part of Texas history, because he is. Houston lost a football team and they found a new one, and Aaron Glenn was probably the most well-known player, not named Andre Johnson, or at the time, at least when I was a kid, Jamie Sharper. It was Aaron Glenn. And because of all that, I think that you can put him in that category. But again, this is one of those times where a four seed looks to be better, and you take out those two years from junior college, maybe that hurts him a little bit for his A&M history. But you have to tie both together. And while he was an All-American, so was New Ring. Walkie made huge strides in the Southwest Conference. New England did the same thing in the Big 12. You look at them number for number, I have to give it to New England because if he is a record holder. So, Aaron Glenn's out, New England's in. Who will move on? Will it be AC Law or Miles Garrett joining them in the Elite Eight? We'll be breaking down that matchup in just a quick moment. Guys, much like you, I want to get in shape in 2020, but overpriced fitness equipment and joining a gym may not always be possible. But the best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Ecleon. Go to ecleonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience for less than half the price of a Peloton. Ecleon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, from busy moms to dads, first responders, elite athletes, it doesn't matter, they have it for you. And with live on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again and feel uncomfortable about your body. You'll love Ecleon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, that's no problem. They will send you your money back right away. So go to ecleonfit.com L-O-N-F-L to learn about their limited time free Apple iPad and complete the details for their exclusive offer. Ecleon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-L-E-O-N fit. Dot com slash L-O-N-F-L, ecleonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. So go ahead and start pedaling your way to the best shape of your life today. 
Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies and, of course, at Mr. Cole Thompson. We're moving right along into our bracket, checking out who will be joining Datton Wing from this, from this conference into the Elite Eight. Right now we have a doozy, two very famous A&M players, one probably the most I would say, you know, screw it. He's the top player in the past decade to ever come through A&M. And he has a history of things that probably no other Aggie will ever have. And no other Aggie will be able to beat it. They'll just be able to match it. And you have a guy who was pretty influential for the basketball program. So why don't we start with AC Law. Law's NBA career comes with definitely some hiccups along the way. But his time at A&M definitely is not going to be one of those. Before the 2007 season, the Aggies reached the number six rankings, the highest ranking the school had ever achieved. The team started the year best with a 16-2 record. That was the highest since 1959-1960, as well as their best conference opening since the inception of the Big 12. On February 1st, 2007, Law was named one of the 17 finalists for the Bob Cossey Award, presented annually to the nation's top point guard. Uh, He went on to actually win the award that year. One of the biggest moments in his career came on February 3rd, 2007, when he became the first team in the Big 12 South in 32 attempts to ever beat the then number six Kansas Jayhawks in the Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas led for most of the game, but Law scored 10 of A&M's final 13 points to ensure victory for the Aggies, and the Big 12 was named the Big 12 Player of the Week for his honors. Two days later, the team would then beat a number 25 Texas, their 21st straight home win, making them the sole leader of the Big 12. Although forced to leave with three games in, uh, with three minutes left in the game after hitting the floor by injuring his leg, Law earned 21 points and set a school record of 15 assists in the 182 victory. Following that team's win, Law was named the Sports Illustrated Player of the Week. Law then again proved his ability to make a name for himself as the Aggies. In his second game against Texas on February 28, 2007, he played every single minute. He did not take a breather during that time. During the Aggies' double overtime victory, 98-96 loss. Uh, Law scored a season-high 33 points with 5 assists and 5 turnovers. His 3-pointer at the end of regulation tied the game, sending the team into overtime. He hit another 3-pointer with 26 seconds left in the first overtime to lead to the game to be tied again, going to a second overtime. He fouled out at the end of second overtime, so he would not be able to finish that game and help the Aggies win on a late 3-pointer shot attempt. Um, he was named to the all AP first team All-American squad. He also made Dick Vitale's first team All-American roster with names such as Aaron Afalo out of UCLA, Alondo Tucker out of uh, Wisconsin, and Nick Fizak out of Nevada. Now, <clears throat> during his time with the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, the Aggies were as high as the number two seed on the uh, they would receive uh, during regular season play, they would receive the number three seed in the South region of the 2007 NCAA tournament. In the first round against Penn, Law scored a game-high 20 points despite only comp- uh, making six of his 15 shots, so a lot of them were on three-pointers. Uh, three the Aggies would go on to win 68-52 to and advance to the second round. Uh, he definitely was a guy who people did not want to mess with, and he showed that against Louisville in that second round. He proved to have the big shots, hitting 13 of 15 three-point attempts, ending the game with 26 points, into, including the two Final points of the game, the Aggies won 72-69, to earning a trip for the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1980. 
He would then face off against number two, Memphis, who was then coached by Kentucky coach John Calipari. The score was close and put AM up by three on a breakaway uh, layup, but they then would lose a close contest 65-64 as he ended his college career. AC Law is the first Texas Aggie to be unanimously named to the All Big 12 first team, named to both the ESPN.com and Sports Illustrated five-man first team All-American list. And he also was named the Big 12 Player of the Year by both AP and the Dallas Morning News that season. Again, and NBA career, not good. He had a couple good years after getting drafted with the 11th overall pick by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he averaged 4.2 points and 2 assists during his uh, first season. He only made 20.6% of his 3 throws. Uh, 3 pointers, my mistake. And then he bounced around. Golden State for a year. Charlotte for half a year. Chicago for a year. Memphis for half a year. Then he returned to Golden State from 2010 to 2011 before going over to Europe. Meanwhile, you have Miles Garrett, who, I mean, when you just break this down, you don't even have to go that far. Miles Garrett, every season, posted double digits in tackles for losses. He started in all, but I think it was, yeah, I want to say it was all regular season games except for three. Yeah. In 2016, he started in 10. In uh, 2014, he started in 11. And then 2013, he played all 12 plus the bowl game. So, you just look at those numbers. They blow you away. 141 career tackles, 31 uh, sacks, 7 forced fumbles, and interception. He would go on to be the number one overall pick by the Cleveland Browns in 2017. And since then, his numbers in the NFL have been good. And if not for the incident that came this past offseason with Mason Rudolph during that November night, maybe Garrett actually is the league leader in sacks this year. Because of before that, in 10 games, he had 10 sacks. So he's averaging one sack per game. He had seven, six games left. Could he have maybe battled with Shaq Barrett and taken on maybe two sacks one game, two sacks another game, maybe miss a sack, two sacks here, and then kind of just bolster his way to that 21 mark? I don't know, but there's definitely a shot. But since joining the NFL, he's had 104 career tackles, 30 tackles for losses, 30.5 sacks. Uh, He's had a total of 74 solo tackles. He's played in 37 games. He is already uh, a pro bowler. He's also been considered part of the all-rookie team during that 2007 year. He was a second-team All-Pro last year. He's also a two-time All-American and a two-time All-SEC player. AC Law is going to be rememberable because of what he did for AM basketball during the early 2000s. You got to appreciate. You have to love the tenacity and the drive that he had. But Miles Garrett has proven consistency, number one. He's also proven what he can do at the next level. And he's also been able to sit down, I think reevaluate his life, and this is not the end for him. By the time it was Law's fourth season in the NBA, he was on his fourth team. He was a mid mid, you know, a, a mid-season acquisition for a lot of teams during his years. He only played I think 6 years in the NBA. Is Garrett going to play 6 years in the NFL? If he stays out of trouble? Yeah, he will. He will easily play six years in the NFL. For that reason alone, I'm going to give it to Miles Garrett. He joins Staten Ring to face off against Von Miller and Johnny Manziel in the Elite Eight. 
That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And while you're at it, why not listen to our brand new show, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. One of the best in the business comes to Locked on Podcast to talk everything NBA draft. You're going to want to check out his brand new show. Tomorrow, we will be adding more people to our Sweet 16 who will be joining our four in our Elite Eight come next week. You're not going to want to miss that show. We'll see you then. And remember, gig em, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.